0: this episode, Matt and I interview our favorite professor, Dr. Wendy Clark. Dr. Clark is a prosthodontist who worked for Team Atlanta for seven years before joining the faculty at UNC. She has been named a leader in continuing education by Dentistry Today for the last five years, presenting on a wide range of prosthodontic topics. She has published articles in numerous peer-reviewed journals and serves as a key opinion leader for multiple companies. You are listening to the Smart Dental Student, your source for information regarding dental school and your professional journey, with your hosts Matt Manley and Landon Guy. Now, what made you want to go
1: into dentistry or oral okay. health?
2: Dentistry, yes. Okay, I my story that I feel like now that I am a faculty sounds like every single application letter I read. <laughs> <laughs> every single one when i was a child my brother was born (laughs) and he had a cleft lip and palate oh wow and so he ended up having this really phenomenal team of specialists Mm -hmm. that changed his life i mean they reconstructed his smile they rehabilitated his function his aesthetics um and seeing somebody go from a kid to an adult and watching this transition was really impactful um so again sounds like every personal statement ever written right but i what i thought was really cool was i thought i wanted to be an orthodontist because his orthodontist was the leader of the team mm-hmm. and his orthodontist was so cool um and then i took ortho and i'm like okay not for me <laughs> <laughs> um, i'll fast forward and then i'll go back to YPROS. so then when i went into private practice in atlanta i got to practice on a team of specialists which was really cool for me and one of our referrals was the orthodontist that worked on my brother's case oh, wow. and it was like this really cool full circle moment oh, that, that's so cool yeah uh, but i wanted to be able to be part of a team like that that could make big changes hmm. so again thought ortho <laughs> then took ortho i was like okay i was like springing wires across the zoom <laughs> <line. laughs> um and then i and it's
1: close to home <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> we've all been there um, when I took pros, I will say when I took dentures, complete dentures, was the hardest class I took in preclinic. Like I struggled with dentures more than I struggled with any class. And again, this is starting to sound cheesy too with all the personal mm-hmm. statements I've read. <laughs> but I that was the only class I ever had to remediate and I don't think it's my fault. So I'm going to say this because for anybody listening that doesn't want me to teach them or make their dentures, <laughs> we had a very hard practical where we had to arrange maxillary and mandibular denture teeth in a practical setting in four hours. Oh, good Lord. Oh, wow. So I was moving along, chugging just fine. I went to shut the articulator to check to balance my inclusion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's for you. Thank you. And <laughs> when I went to shut it, the pin was up. And it slammed too hard oh. and teeth no. and then it was like the time ran out I was like trying to shove the teeth back in the wax and I just <laughs> ran out of time didn't. so I knew like going into it I wasn't like oh, this was great and then I found oh, out man. it wasn't it was like I had a, a ca- yeah. catastrophic incident oh during the practical uh, so I had to do the remediation and I was like I will not let dentures get the best of me. So I spent a lot of time You made practicing. it your
1: personal vendetta.
2: Yeah, that's mm-hmm. apparently what I do. <laughs> I go down, it's dentures. my thing. <laughs> like It's you and me. <laughs> I see you. So I ended up doing a lot of extra lab work for dentures. And we used to have to do all our own lab work in dental school. Mm-hmm. So we had to arrange our own denture teeth. We had to do all that stuff, balance the occlusion. We did everything except for final processing. Um, so then I was like, I started doing that a lot and I started doing it for some of my classmates to kind of help them out. And I was like, I can take this. Like, this is fun. I like festooning, like contouring my wax and having a good time. And so I really, and everybody else I was weird, (laughs) which is not the first time in my life that's happened either. So I found this like weird niche and I was like, well, if I like this and nobody else does, maybe Mm -hmm. this is my thing. And what's really funny, and like I said, now that now that I'm in my (laughs) forties and all of my life is making sense to me, like it's coming full circle. It'll all make sense at some day. When I was applying for pros, I told my uh the program director that I wanted my vision was I wanted to teach dentures one day. Like I wanna teach a denture class, I wanna write a denture book, like this is what I wanna do. And he was like Okay. <laughs> he thought that was me. Like,
0: Can I get you out of my office? Real <laughs> no, please? he was like, Can we have you? Because nobody <laughs> else wants to do the denture <laughs>
2: cases. <laughs> wow. But then I went to practice. And so like, things kind of shifted during PROS. And uh, the practice I was in was a phenomenal opportunity. Like I so said, it was a multi specialty practice. We had surgeons, periodontists, orthodontists, um, everything you could want under one roof. And we did a ton of implants and a ton of aesthetics. Mm. We were kind of like the aesthetics. Um, it was where, that. yeah, it was where everybody went, like in oh. the Southeast. Oh, it's oh, wow. Goldstein, okay. so Garber, it was, uh, and Salama. It's Team Atlanta. And so, people come from all over the country wow. to have care there. We had an in-house technician, in-house ceramist, mm. uh, digital technicians, just really phenomenal people. And we would do just tons and tons of full mouth cases, veneer cases, all on four, all on six, all on X, immediate load. And it was fun. Like I saw so much dentistry the time that I was there for seven years and learned so much, but I hardly did any removable Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we just didn't have that patient population. Mm -hmm. Um, People were coming to us because we had world renowned surgeons to place implants and Mm -hmm. world renowned, literally Dr. Goldstein, his textbook is right there, was one of the owners of practice. And so he literally wrote the book on cosmetic dentistry, literally. So people would come all over the world to have him do their cosmetic work. And so as his associates, we would get the cases that we would work with him with them or, um, you know, we just had a lot of aesthetic cases and a lot of implants and it was phenomenal. And it still is one of the best practices in the world. So I'm not there, <laughs> but there are other people that are amazing. Um, And then I kind of like lost sight of that denture thing. And then I came here and the person that was teaching the denture class was leaving. I'm like, I'll do (laughs) that," And everyone else was like, please, by all means, there wasn't like, I didn't have to beat out a lot of people. Exactly. (laughs) There was no competition to be the course director for complete dentures.
1: So with, with that, as far as like coming in and, um, what would be kind of your advice to someone who's coming into dentistry? Let's say, <clears throat> I mean, as a pre-dental student or something, you could go work at a lab, mm-hmm. right? To kind of get your understanding of how the lab process works, everything like that. But for someone who's in dental school, <clears throat> let's say they're in maybe in a program that doesn't have kind of this tip of the spear learning digital dentistry at their program, how could they either dip their toe in or kind of learn how to do kind of what you're teaching us to do here? Um, Or even, you know, what what Landon and I are gonna be playing around with our 3D printers.
2: So before I started making you all learn this stuff, (laughs) (laughs) way back when, like two and a half years ago, um, I was a group practice leader, which was also a really awesome job. I, I encourage people to go play. So like I said, we do that digital project in our denture course, which isn't related to dentures, but it's teaching you kind of the essence of CAD CAM. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage anybody at any school to see if they have a makerspace on campus. Um, makerspaces are growing in popularity. They're not everywhere, but they're often overlooked, especially by people in kind of the professional paths.
1: And what is a makerspace?
2: Uh, Makerspace is a place on usually on college campuses, sometimes Mm -hmm. in the community, where you can just make things. So here we have um, an embroidery machine, which is really cool. We have laser cutters. We have vinyl cutters, power tools, welders, like anything you can think of to make something they would have there, including a big wall of 3D printers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so just I think designing and making things and just understanding how things go together Engineering, Mm -hmm. artistry, all of that stuff makes you a better dentist. Um, And then now there are so many free online (laughs) open source softwares that you can play with, especially as somebody that's a student that's not going into production, uh, that I highly encourage everybody to play with. Even if you don't make anything that ever gets produced or used, (laughs) the skill of manipulating something in 3D is invaluable. So we use Tinkercad, for example. Anybody can go to Tinkercad and create a free Tinkercad account. We use MeshMixer. Anybody can do that. Uh, We use the Blender-based softwares from 3.x. Those are free to download. Um, Blue Sky Bio is free, and you can play all you want on Blue Sky Bio for free. You don't get charged until you export, so you can actually scan and Casts of yourself or of anybody. Get some from your dentist with no <laughs> names on them to not violate HIPAA, and you can design on those. Um, and I think it's huge. And I think that's that's you don't have a you always think you're going to have more time. Mm-hmm. at the next step in your career <laughs> and i'm here to assure you that you do not <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean, less less. <laughs>
2: when you're in high school you will not have more time in college when you're in college you will not have more time in dental school <laughs> when you're in dental school you will not have more time in residency when you finish residency you will not have more time in practice so <laughs> you're, there's always more demands so make the time to play and to do what you want to do
1: and it kind of leads into my other question is what would you tell somebody in practice and it, you know because they have less time right and they may not have access to a maker space per se
2: that's a great question i think the first thing i would do is find an assistant (laughs) that is open to learning (laughs) find a pre-dental student
1: (laughs) who really wants to
3: truly and that's a lot
2: of um practitioners i know hire young people as interns or um to help out in the lab or something like that and The more comfortable you are with technology and the more comfortable you are with computers and the less, um, I would say the less risk you're investing. You know what I mean? Like it's a big deal for you if you're working on one of your patients. It's not a big deal for my nephew who's 17. If I'm like, Mm -hmm. can you make something? (laughs) So work with these people that don't have the same obstacles and the same biases that you have and see what they can come up with. Um, And a lot of the best digital lab technicians started out without laboratory training they started out with digital training they're digital artists even Mm. the b4 artists that's not a dental software that we use that is Mm -hmm. that's just a blender for artists yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i think i think we're i one of the things i think is cool about digital is that it's bringing some of that artistry back that i think can be easily lost uh focusing on some of the other more technical Mm -hmm. aspects
0: i know we jumped in to hear just asking straight up what <laughs> about about digital stuff, but I was wondering kind of how you got into it. Mm-hmm. Like, and I remember beforehand you mentioned something about getting into it while in dental school, and then now you're, you're headfirst into the water of, of digital dentistry. Could you tell us kind of your story, how you got into that, and what you're doing you analog. do actively now?
2: Mm-hmm. That's, that's also a good question. And I'm going to blame Matt for jumping right into the question.
0: Yeah, it's his fault. It's always his I'm fault. I'm just teasing. It's my fault for all things.
2: my wife. And I apologize for you having to edit so much out of this. Um, so when I was in dental school, I graduated in 2007. The first uh, release of Bruxer Crowns was 2007. <laughs> so I was kind of on that cusp of going from analog to digital, which has been the story of my life and I don't think in a bad way. Um I am born I was born in 1981, so now everyone knows how old I am and I don't don't care anymore. <laughs> um that I was like right on the cusp between millennial and generation X. So I am I say I'm the oldest millennial. <laughs> <laughs> the first millennial. I'm the first one. It started with me. If you look at the li- <laughs> um, when I was in high school, I just missed the typewriter class. Like I was too young to learn how to do typewriters. But I also missed the computer class.
3: Because I was too old to do. They hadn't phased in yet, oh, so I wow.
2: got caught between. Like they had these computers, but nobody knew how to use them. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, sorry, my life. Um, and so that was kind of like just my journey through life. Like I I studied for when I was in dental school, I would listen to my first generation iPod.
1: <laughs> wow. Yes. With no screen.
2: With no screen. It had like a little wheelie yeah. gig thing. A little wheel. Yeah. So I was thinking when I was in dental school and we went anywhere for vacation, I brought my iPod, my flip phone, and my camera my point and shoot camera <laughs>
1: like a legitimate camera yes
2: yep. and that was so that was kind of my introduction it was like this very clunky workflow like i got an iphone when i was in pro residency i was already a doctor when i got it. yes i did GPS i had to yes <laughs> i used to i used to have to go to mapquest and, and print my directions. directions yes that was me in north carolina yeah. It was <laughs> last year. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Nate, Nate, you have an iPhone, right? <laughs> uh, but it, I've also, I missed getting trained very well on my DSLR camera because we I was right in between slides and digital cameras. So I'm always like right on the cusp of like Old this technology, burgeoning technology. technology. What about x rays? I learned on... Uh, I did not have digital x-rays in dental school. They switched <laughs> the year my senior year. They switched one clinic my senior year to digital x-rays wow. from analog. So I did all the processing, like, with a dipping. Mm. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I know. Wow. Right? You didn't think I was that old. Holy smokes. <laughs> you didn't know how old I was. <laughs> well, I,
1: I mean, I can see... <clears throat> when I went into the Marine Corps, we still use... We still use... Still today, use crank phones... So our combat phones, oh, you that's pull a cool. little hand because it doesn't yeah. require batteries or anything, so you just there and crank sense. the thing. But it's like, yeah, you learned something that we used in World War One.
2: Yeah. I have a crank radio in case of emergency. <laughs> yeah, we got to be prepared, man. That's it. I'm a you prepper, were too. Now you've learned that. <laughs> um,
1: if stuff goes down, we know where to go. I know, you know right? Exactly. You go to Clark's
2: office. <laughs> yeah. She's going to be run. She's got a crank phone and snacks. Should we
1: 3D print and chainsaw <laughs> and stuff? <laughs> <Which is good. laughs>
2: Yeah, that would be me. <laughs> um, you asked me a question. Oh, how would I get into digital? Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, Louise, I'm having too much fun. Um, This is normal for us. We like this. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I just need to hang out with you guys more. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I learned today. Um, so when I was in dental school, we had an optional elective. Like We signed up for electives that were one or two sessions each, and I picked digital dentistry. It was called CAD CAM. Um, and... We had a CEREC-3, which anybody listening to this, that's not you two would know what a CEREC 3 <laughs> is. It had a rollerball mm-hmm. instead of like a real mouse. And it was, you had to powder everything and get it really dry. So, we had one experience on a type dot where we scanned with a CEREC. So, that was my wow. knowledge of CAD CAM when I graduated dental school. Um, when I went into PROS, I had a faculty that was very excited about digital. But again, it was still on the cusp. So, we had a scanner, but we hardly ever used it because... Mm-hmm. Nobody was trained. We didn't have any printers, and I don't think we had any mills. We may have. And if he ever listens to this podcast, he'll be like, We got mills. <laughs> I didn't use the mills, I'll say that. <laughs> sure. Um, I saw a mill at some point in my life, but I don't mm-hmm. think it was in the dental school at the time. Um, CT scans were just becoming popular. Like, we had one of the first CT scans, and we had a phenomenal radiologist. But at that time, we were still taking panorexes with ball bearings to measure for implants. Like, They were not standard of care for implants when I was a resident. Wow. Um, So, yeah. So, I've been literally on the cusp of all this technology, like, going into practice. But I think that the main inspiration was actually my partners in practice, um, particularly Ron Goldstein. Mm -hmm. So, he was, again, literally helped invent bonding agents. (laughs) Like That's his... He worked, like... Bonacor called him on the phone. Is like, hey, I'm thinking about developing a bonding agent for resins. Mm -hmm. So, if you ever read his story, he's phenomenal. But he had been practicing when I got there for over 40 years, and he was more excited about technology than anyone I've ever worked with. And I remember, like, the diode lasers were coming. He's like, we got to get one of those. And then he's like, we got to get a hard tissue laser. We got to get a scanner. He was the driving force behind most of the technology in practice. And if you think about kind of the stereotype of dentists that have been practicing for 40 years, they're not the ones saying, we need to be doing this, you know? And so to see, and to see him at that stage in his career, still so passionate about dentistry and about the field and about learning, I was like, I want to be like that.
3: Mm-hmm. I
2: don't want to be somebody that's like stuck in my ways and not moving forward. I wanted to have his energy, and I remember I said to him one day, I'm like, how do you have so much energy? Because this man, he would wake up, he would exercise, he would read everything on the news, he knew everything, and I feel like, and he goes... If you don't have it when you're 30
0: <laughs> you're
2: not going to have it when you're 80
0: <laughs> oh that hits close to home <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Matt you have no hope oh.
2: so I don't have that energy but I do want to like, at least copy his passion and like try to keep up on the cutting mm-hmm. edge so I really think it was they who inspired me and um, there has to be somebody willing to be pushing the next best thing um, Dr. Ducom, actually Ibrahim Dukum one of our faculty here, was giving a lecture and he had a picture. We were doing a lecture together on digital dentures. He had a picture of uh, George Washington's wooden teeth and said at one time this was considered innovative. Wow. And I don't even think he knew like how much that hit me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So if you're listening, Dr. um, Dukum, but he's right. Like if Mm -hmm. we're saying, oh, this is good enough, we would all still have wooden dentures.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs)
2: I don't want wow. wooden dentures I yeah. want printed dentures mm-hmm. I want to have a printer in my house and when my dentures break I want to print them myself mm. my doctor can send me over the STL yeah <laughs> you know?
0: just send them to me right, I'll them right here and we be could able to run over them with your car and they still be fun
2: exactly you watched that YouTube video yes, I Yeah. Did. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> we, we had
2: shout a shout um... out to absolute dental <laughs> yes.
1: that, that was good yeah we need <laughs> put that in the description
2: not a sponsor <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> yet <laughs> Yeah, I think that um, we had a conversation with a. um, I guess you could say Dr. DeVegas is like kind of phasing between digital but also photography so he's a he's big in photography like did um dental photography is like his jam cool. um he's one of the first
2: he can teach me because i'm it's not mine yet <laughs> so
1: he and dr schlichting um he they oh, know each other he's and dr uh dr davigas was one of the first people to own a nikon dslr so when the dslr came out in the 90s he was one of the first ones to get it and now he like advises sony on like how to develop their cameras and That's stuff cool. and he um he was talking to us about how um like you said five to ten years from now we should be expecting to print to the high quality of you know okay well here you go this is what you need Boo. scan print yeah. out the door and um And if that's the case, I mean, can you imagine being at a place where you're like, oh, I broke my dentures. And the dentist is like, don't worry, you can go pick it up at Walgreens. Yeah, You know, I I just sent out a new file for you or whatever.
2: I will say, and you do or don't have to edit this out. (laughs) (laughs) I was at a lab meeting a few years ago, and the lab techs have this vision of dentures being like contact lenses
0: wow yeah
2: Mm. which i
1: mean to some extent that's the way it is so they should be have to because and and i thought that was
2: interesting because people are complaining that these printed dentures only last a year or two and they're like but that might not be a bad thing how gross are dentures that are 10 years old what if your denture can't make it to Mm -hmm. 10 years old like we're thinking longevity that's not good Mm -hmm. but and that would require a big change in our healthcare system and Stuff like that, or cost, or something.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. you think about, like you were saying, the the cost of resin, the cost of production. I mean, if you would have told me when I was born, you'd be like, "Oh, hey, look at, me. Oh, look at I, this baby." You know, when I was young, he, he was like, born with no teeth and dentures. <laughs> there's mine right there. <laughs> it, it's like when I was younger, contact lenses were real glass, and now it's like. Dailies, yeah. So you just pop them in, throw them out. Pop them in, throw them out, and it's like, yeah, dentures. I don't, I don't see why you couldn't. Just I know. Give, you know, pop them in, use them, recycle
2: them. Yeah. I mean, they're resin. You just yeah. Melt them back down, cure them, throw them back in. <laughs> I was like dental line trays. I mean, that's something that wasn't around. Yeah. Back in my day.
1: Back <laughs> <laughs> right in my day. But it also like what is it Moore's law, where it's like technology, the 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 level of technology like duplicates every year or something like that. And so it's like you go from like you're saying, using the ball bearings for implant planning. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't too long ago. And when you think of the span of history with dentistry and now here we are like printing um, guides, surgical guides. And um, I mean, it just takes a lot of the guesswork out and yes, you need, you need human um, touch Yes. To be able to, you know, kind of put the finishing touches on things. But you don't need to introduce human error on all the steps along the way.
2: And why not use AI to streamline the process and make it mm-hmm. a little more predictable? Mm-hmm. And I think if you ask most dentists why they don't like to make dentures, it'll be the lack of predictability. Mm-hmm. And you, if you've ever been to one of my lectures, you'll have heard me say this, <laughs> mm-hmm. that you can do every step of dentures correctly. And end up with a denture that doesn't fit. Yeah. You can do every step of dentures wrong and end up with a denture that does. And it's one of those things that every step has so much error, both human and material, mm-hmm. that you, it's, it becomes unpredictable. And it's frustrating. Because if you spend six appointments making a denture, doing everything you're supposed to do, mm-hmm. and then it doesn't fit, it's like, ugh. To yeah. you and your patient. Yeah. you put
1: so much effort into that. And, and if... And- most dentists are very, very meticulous. Yes. And so to to have you put that much effort and focus in only to come out with a
0: not so great product. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's why you do it digital, so you can cut the appointments in half.
2: <laughs> exactly. Well, that is because you're eliminating some of the error. And you mm-hmm. can go back. Like I said, you can hit Control-Z. So if you get to the final denture and there's just an error with the intaglio fit do a scan a wash a scan patient where is that set home and you have another set ready to go you don't have to use the same denture teeth and go back to wax tooth try-in or go back to mmr you can use what you have to kind of control z back a step mm-hmm. same thing the monolithic try-in hit control z re-impress and get a new mmr and it's like every step allows you to go back without losing all the data you had mm-hmm. and that's with complete dentures you can always go back a step but you're starting from scratch. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like if your wax rim doesn't fit and you do a wash impression, you can't use your model or you can't use your bite. There's always, you have to redo everything to get back to where you were. But with with digital, you still have that file. You have that preservation mm-hmm. of record. Yeah. And with crown and bridge too. Like if you hand layered a porcelain crown and everything was perfect except shade, <laughs> guess what you're doing? Hand layering another porcelain mm-hmm. crown. But if you did it, in emacs milled you have the same file just mill it in another shade and there you go and there you go
1: it it makes me think because you know a lot of times when people think of um being an early adopter to technology or wanting to get into something a lot of resistance will come from well it's a technology that hasn't been tested it's a technology that hasn't been vetted the Kind of the counter argument to that is it has been vested because we use this 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 scanning technology that we use was first developed in aerospace engineering. Yes. So like NASA's been using yes. this for a very long it's time. It's good
2: enough for NASA. It's good enough for NASA.
1: <laughs> it's good enough to put a man on the moon. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's good enough to... to oh, don't to, get me started yeah, on I NASA. About, I was about to say. Yeah, pull out that NASA mug.
2: I no, um, have my three-point mug today. Oh. So. <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> the uh, you've got a technology that has been vetted. It's not gimmicky. I mean, you can find vendors that have gimmicky stuff. Yes. But for the majority of what we're using, it's vetted. It's been used. It's been used for the, probably the last 30 to 50 years in some capacity.
2: It's been used in dentistry to make crowns since 1980. So the first CEREC came out in the 80s. Yeah probably before you two were born
1: <laughs> that was actually dr davigas was one of the first patients yeah with uh he had what do you say he had a couple crowns made for him while he was the in dental school. or something yeah yeah and he's like they had me in the chair forever but yeah.
2: with the rubber dam on yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah with a powder spray yeah, yeah. yeah. the, the cirak one was the, mm. literally in the 80s it's, and it's not brand new it's been in crown and bridge For forty years,
1: so it's been it's been in aerospace engineering. It's been in dentistry for so it's been vetted within our own field. And then you have, like you were saying, you've got the backup. If ever you break something, lose something, which as a software guy, this is where I want to make a plug: always have a backup. Always, always, always backup. I think you
2: were gonna say, "Unplug it and plug it back in." That's that's another tip. That's, i'm glad you said that because that's one of my other why i'm so passionate about teaching both the conventional and the digital is you always do need that backup and if you don't know how to fix it conventionally it's going to be really hard to back out digitally Literally. and i think that is especially true with dental implants so if you're planning a guided surgery what if you have everything flapped and the guide doesn't fit yeah now what? What if you have the guide down and then you the implants off a little bit? Like you always have to be able to back out conventionally. So I think it's so important to learn the conventional method and then add the digital to it and then, or vice versa, mm. learn the digital and add the conventional to it, whatever's easier to learn and teach, but to be able to interweave those in a way that works for you.
1: Totally a much simpler analogy, but knowing how to give out change at the grocery store <laughs> when the computer goes down and be able to process cash yes you know that, that's kind of the same thing it's knowing how to use a digital workflow as well as an analog workflow
2: how to read an atlas mm. yes when you yes. don't have cell signal when,
1: when you when you don't have yeah GPS you yeah. go to MapQuest and you print out no
2: <laughs> I don't know probably there's gotta be somebody that still Google needs it, it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Somebody's gonna listen to this like 30 years early. What is what? Google? <laughs> <laughs> so
2: I like that you think somebody's gonna to listen you. to this 30 years. <laughs> You're very optimistic,
3: saying. man. <laughs> <I get laughs> see.
2: Well, you know the things that. Uh, That's because of me. No, yeah. <laughs> honestly, that is true. <laughs> we'll play it at my funeral. <laughs> What are they talking about?
0: (laughs) You teach a lot of CE classes, especially about digital dentures. What is the thing you hear most from practitioners as to why they don't jump into the workflow? Because we've we've heard that it's been around. Sarek at least, has been around since 1980. What is it? Why do you think, or what is the biggest reason you hear that there's pushback to accepting that workflow?
2: That's a really cool question because I was going to ask you if you meant like crown and bridge or dentures but the reason is actually the same (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it's funny because I'm now seeing it repeat itself with dentures the way that it did with Sarek when I was starting practice Um, when I first started seeing Sarek crowns and you guys have probably seen this too they looked like something that you might have milled in house <laughs> versus what you may have sent out to another lab who were really limited with the shades available. Um, there were only one or two types of blocks you can choose. Again, that's changing quite rapidly. And now I think it'd be hard to tell an excellent ceramic crown from a lab made crown. Um, but everybody would say the aesthetics aren't great. The margins aren't as good. And the other thing that's interesting is you have to read a margin differently for an EMAX crown on a radiograph than you do for a PFM crown. You're going to see a different gap. Uh, it's going to look different. The radiopacity is different. So if you looked at a milled ceramic crown when they first came out and compared it to a PFM hand layered crown, you're going to be like, <laughs> "Well, I'm going to go with this one," um, because the only benefit to doing the ceric is because it's cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I made that in-house. I designed mm-hmm. it. I milled it. Um, but now that's changed. Like, the technology's finally caught up. And so we can... The, there's tons of different blocks that you can mill from. Um, they have materials for anterior, materials for posterior, materials for inlays. Um, the, the stains that we can use are a lot better. The Speedfire ovens are way faster mm-hmm. <laughs> than they were when they first came out. So the time that it took back then is now crunched down to nothing. Um, the aesthetic challenges are being overcome, but it took those early adopters <laughs> to say, this is great. This is how it can be better. And if you didn't do that, if you accepted the wooden dentures, <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: still <be> using <laughs> we'd
2: mattress. still be using only gold crowns. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we wouldn't have BFM. We wouldn't have Emacs. We wouldn't have zirconia. Um, but now I'm starting to hear the same things about digital dentures. Uh, and you can ask somebody today, I, I, I don't know these people, but I'm sure they exist, <laughs> that <laughs> if they saw a ceramic crown in 1990 and thought it was ugly, they probably still think ceramic crowns are bad today because you build that bias, right? Like mm-hmm. first impressions matter. And so if your first impression of milled chairside crowns are they're ugly and the margins are bad and they're monotone and you can only mill them in this material, then that's going to stick with you. Uh, with digital dentures, the first 3D printed dentures that came out, they were new resins and they hadn't been tested and so they weren't as strong as conventional dentures yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're getting there. And they were more translucent because you had to have the curing light shine through so you couldn't have an opaque denture base so you could see the next of the teeth through them. Uh, Little things like that. There was a lot of technique sensitivity in bonding the denture teeth to the denture base which is now improved with the software. But the first 3D printed dentures you saw, you were like, well, that broke. I knew that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. 3D printed dentures don't work. <laughs> so, I mean, you're kind of seeing the same trends repeated. And people are saying about the aesthetics, like the papilla on a printed denture, a milled denture, don't doesn't look the same as a hand-festooned processed denture, which is true. Or the translucency and aesthetics of a printed denture tooth don't match a carded denture tooth, which is also true. Mm-hmm. But if you look at... Um, the first 3D printed denture I did, which was like a month after it was FDA cleared,
1: <laughs> really versus the one now <laughs> yeah. you you sitting in front of the
2: computer, just <laughs> like, waiting. Yeah, for you like re- from refresh, the FDA. refresh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> refresh. <laughs> it's. I mean, the difference is night and day mm-hmm. between the first printed denture I did and the one I just delivered this morning. Like, mm-hmm. there's a there's a huge difference. Um, and without pushing forward and doing the research and being their chair side, it's it's not gonna get any better. Um, I will say the first digital denture I did was in 2013. They were conventionally marketed in Mm -hmm. 2012. (laughs) So again, I'm starting to learn these trends about myself, but the workflow in 2013 was insanely different than the workflow today. Like there was nothing available in mm-hmm. 2000, there's two workflows available and they were super cutting edge and I was really excited about mm-hmm. them, but they were difficult to adopt into practice like the original CEREC, mm-hmm. like who had the time to like pull up this 1980s IBM <laughs> wait for it to load put their floppy disk <laughs> with their STL file on it <laughs> and I mean it's just, it takes so much time for the workflow to become something that's now manageable for the general dentist mm-hmm. and now it's, uh, crowns milled in house are there dentures are really close i think digital Mm -hmm. dentures are there for the general dentist Mm -hmm. i don't know that making them in house yet is Is i think that's still on the early adopter curve Mm -hmm. but if you look at avident and ivaclar and Dentsply and some of these things that big companies are doing with the dental materials Mm -hmm. they're outstanding and you can do any workflow you want so you're not locked in anymore and the materials are good Mm -hmm. I don't know what you asked me anymore. It's been too long. I talked too long. No, that
0: was, I, I think that answered it, like big Tom. Is like those initial like impressions. Yeah, well, no pun intended. But
3: yeah, uh,
0: <laughs> of. <laughs> of you know, these, this different technology and stuff, all this new stuff, anything new that you see and you have a bad impression of it, you're like, oh, nope, I'm I'm not gonna touch this again. And
3: I I can even see
0: it in my own life too, like with different things that I've tried out. And I'm like, oh, I'm never going back to that restaurant again. (laughs) Fried pickles. (laughs) 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 Even just with something as small as restaurants, you try it one time and you're like, nope, I'm not going back there yet, it's terrible.
2: But if they have a new manager, it might be better now. (laughs) (laughs) They got a new chef, Mm -hmm. man.
1: true um it reminds me of i had a professor one time and he it was a business class and he was like the process can always be improved and he said it's rarely the people who are the problem it's usually the process and so he's like you know once in a while you'll get somebody who's actually like a problem and you need to get them out of the way like me (laughs) But, (laughs) but some but the process is usually the thing that there's something in there that can be improved um and he had us do, you know, different simulations in sure. the class. But it was one of those things where it was, you know, like what you said, if we don't engage the process to see how we can improve it, then we're stuck with what we've been using and what we know yeah. which isn't necessarily bad but no, at the same time right. because it can inform how to upgrade the process
2: exactly
1: and make it better
2: and if you know that process well and the new one doesn't work out for you you can go back to the yeah, old one like try again exactly else. and or try again in a few years when mm-hmm. the technology's better <laughs> uh, but i think that's a really great point and especially with digital dentistry because when cad cam did come out it was insanely complicated there was, and home computers were expensive. Mm-hmm. Like to get a computer powerful to enough. to get into it. Exactly. And then on top of that prohibitive computer, you had a prohibitive software that was super expensive. Learning curve on that. Yes. Yeah. And then this, the hardware too was hard to learn because it wasn't as intuitive as mm-hmm. it is now. And so you had a hardware that wasn't really well developed yet or fully developed yet, we'll say. You had a software that was hard to get support with and hard to learn because we didn't have as much technology and then a computer that was so expensive, you couldn't buy it. So that's why nobody adopted it early. (laughs) And same thing with 3d printers. And I, I said that my friends here made fun of me because I went on to mesh mixer and designed a custom tray. (laughs) Took me forever. I nested it and printed it on the form, our original form printer here. And literally the print time was 14 hours. (laughs) And I was showing everybody, like, I was so excited. I come in, I'm like, look, I was thinking, showing the pictures of my nested file. And they're like, great, can I see the tray? I'm like, no, it'll be ready tomorrow. <laughs> and they were like, do you know how long it takes triad to set in the curing unit? <laughs> they were like, I can make a triad tray in, like, five minutes. I'm like, but it's not as cool as mine. <laughs> and now the printers are faster. So we were talking about getting... One of the printers on Amazon Prime Day, not a sponsor. And <laughs> you can now nest it so that, if, and you can turn down the resolution, you can print that in 20 minutes if you t- tweak the settings. So now I mean, we've cut the time down 14 hours. Yeah. Which I um, mean, <laughs> that's pretty good I in guess, a few years.
1: That's right. <laughs> you, you think about how long it takes to for stone to set. And then you have thermal expansion and all the other things that you have to take into consideration when you're pouring stone, as opposed to and the the technique sensitivity of pouring. For and custom mixing tray, it stone. Or, Yeah, for customers. <laughs> I'm tray. just teasing. But it's
2: just like, oh my gosh. Just the But who wants to pour a model? Like let's get down to the um, brass tacks. We don't need to talk about expansion of stone here. <laughs> you don't want to yeah. pour a model?
1: No, no, I do not. Oh, and nor models. do I. <laughs> that is why I was so happy when I met you, because I was like, oh my gosh, this person has just made my day because I she don't She also like- doesn't pour models. <laughs> she also does not pour models. What do you see you know, cause cause you run in circles that we don't, as far as like you you've you've shrugged shoulders. Like literally I'm just who- running around in circles.
3: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Everyone
1: else is watching. What's she
2: doing? You're like
1: a glitched video game. You're like stuck in the corner. I'm like
2: Vanellope from Wreck-It Ralph.
1: (laughs) What what is like something you see potentially on the horizon? I know we talked a little bit about in-home printing and stuff like that, but what do you see or what are you excited about within the field that's – either coming or is here and getting refined uh, that we haven't talked about.
2: I really think the materials, I know we touched on that a little bit, but I don't think that can be overstated. Like you said, the technology for the software has been there for a really long time. They've been using it with Boeing and NASA and all these people to that makes NASA really cool, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just <laughs> saying that makes you I know, smart. I just wanted to talk about <laughs> NASA. <laughs> Did you see those pictures? Huh? So cool. <laughs> James Webb telescope. Not <laughs> <laughs> <That> a sponsor. <laughs> At James Webb telescope. By the way, I just started following James Webb telescope. <laughs> does it, it have a <laughs> yes, Instagram? It has its own Instagram. <laughs> That's great. Okay. Not a sponsor. Um, I'm sorry, I've had too much coffee today. I'm all over the place. Okay, we were talking about oh, Oh, what's uh, on the horizon? Yeah. Okay, so we're finally able to get really powerful laptops and really powerful home computers at a very reasonable Mm -hmm. price. And to me, that's like that was the last key to unlock it because we already had the softwares coming in. Uh, And it's amazing when you look at the timeline. So I have a, a timeline of digital dentures where 2012 they came out. 2015, they started the FDA clearance for printed resins. 2017, we start to see Blue Sky Bio, Mesh Mixer, all Mm -hmm. these complete denture design modules that came out of nowhere. And then 2019, we start seeing the high-impact printed resins. So, I mean, that's a really short span of time from, like, 2012 to 2019. Like, it changed the entire game for dentures. And... That sounds so geeky.
1: (laughs) I don't think I would have thought of this about 10 years ago. Being like, this is a conversation we're going to have. And we're actually going to care about it. (laughs)
2: Uh, I'm just, to me... Okay, now I'll get on my soapbox. The biggest, the most exciting thing for me is access to care. Mm
3: -hmm. So
2: you think about... And this is what sold me on Digital Dentures in 2013. And it's what's still selling me on them in 2022. I met... Um, in 2013, I met the CEO of Dentka, who was one of the first like pioneers of printed dentures. And he had this beautiful vision that just like touched me in such a really cool way of, there are places in this world that do not have access to dentures, period. Mm-hmm. You cannot go there, set up a lab, <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
2: and, you know, Produced process dentures. dentures reasonably. You can... Bring a laptop, yeah. a small printer, and a bottle of resin. Wow. And so and that's thinking on a global scale. Like, what can, what can come next? But then taking that back to a local scale, there are places in North Carolina where mm-hmm. people can't get dentures.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You can put a printer, a laptop, and some resin on a van yeah. and go drive down the street. And now we're, I'm starting to see now mobile denture vans. Which to me is just the coolest thing. Uh, one of the biggest hurdles to access to care is it's rare to find, and there are some, but it's rare to find service clinics that provide removable prosthetics.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's even rarer to find those that provide fixed prosthetics. So think about, you can get a root canal at a service clinic, but you can't get the crown. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a big amalgam. Yeah, What's that going to do to the tooth long term? Mm-hmm what's that going to do to the root canal mm-hmm. in term? They're going to end up losing that tooth eventually. If you could 3D print a crown at a service, if we could do shack yeah. with printed crowns, that would be a game, game changer. changer.
3: Yeah.
2: People would be actually be able to access care in an affordable way, which I think to me, that's the most exciting thing is mm-hmm. being able to save more teeth to print fewer mm-hmm. dentures right. <laughs> and even flippers. Like we can, I'm sorry cut that out even acrylic removable partial dentures <laughs> i mean that's something that is so hard to provide because you have to purchase a denture teeth you have to have somebody that knows how to design and either pour or do a cold cure or process a denture base if you can design and print it in mm-hmm. a high impact resin that patient can go tomorrow for a job interview with a front tooth
3: mm-hmm.
2: to me it's huge mm-hmm. so it I think it's not a disservice, but it's an incomplete service, and it hurts me as a clinician when I can say, I can remove your tooth, your front tooth, and get you out of pain, but I can't provide you a tooth replacement. Yeah. And think about how many times that comes up.
1: Mm-hmm. And the impact to quality of life. Exactly. Said. Psychosocial. And... Yeah.
2: Scan them before you extract it. Have your assistant design and print a tooth while you're doing the extraction.
1: And be done with it.
2: And be done with it. They leave with a interim... Or yeah, partial.
1: Not done with it per se, but right. They walk away with, with they something. walk away
2: with something better or the same as they came in with, and that's the goal, right? Mm-hmm.
1: I think I think you did something that I could not do, which was you took this from your story of your brother, right, <laughs> and brought it all the way back to which is the heart of why you're so excited about this, mm-hmm. which is access to care and being able to provide for patients something that you know because my grandma had dentures yeah. and. Like, I just remember how life-altering it would be for her if... Because she got in a car accident and they broke. Oh. And it was like, well, now, she's, now she can't She eat can't even she can't smile, yeah. she can't speak. Yeah, because she's like, until they get fixed. And it took about three, four months, five months <sighs> for them to get fixed. And it was like, you know, to be able to provide care to improve the quality of life. Because, you know, life's hard. It's just... Yeah. And so... To be able to be that help for somebody who finds himself in that situation, I think that uh, that speaks volumes, especially not just as somebody geeking out over technology, but the heart behind it. Yeah. And so we really appreciate you being on the show with us. You're
2: very welcome. I appreciate you having me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for letting me geek out about a lot of geeky things.
0: You have been listening to The Smart Dental Student. The views, information, and opinions expressed during this recording are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent the organizations that the individuals are affiliated with. If you enjoyed the content of this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at smartdentalstudent or visit our website for more information at smartdentalstudent.com.